When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. A typical chilly, dry season morning, Robert? Yeah, definitely is, mate. Uh, got down cold. Was it Wednesday? It was pretty cold, so it's still dark outside. Do you like it or is it a bit of a culture shock for you? No, nah, it's not too bad. I don't mind the cold weather. How'd you go in Melbourne when you were living there? Nah, pretty good. Um, yeah. Living down in the country, as you know, like Aubrey with Dongaway, I thought, thought it was always colder, so... Melbourne was okay. Didn't mind it at all. Only a few bad days. But yeah, we don't get it too often in Darwin. No, I'm the opposite, mate. Every year I get older, the sookier I get with the cold weather. Even like getting out of the shower in Darwin starts to become more of a mission around June and July. Hey, Gold Coast Suns are enjoying the cooler Darwin weather. Took Miller said as much last night on Fox Footy. Are you enjoying the Gold Coast Suns up here? Did you go to the game last week? Yeah, I went to the game last week. Um, I was confident in them. I tipped them. Mm, um, we both did, I think, though, in fairness. Yeah, I said they'd go two from two at the start of the year, and then it was sort of um, they've gone in. It's a pretty even game this week, though. But, um, yeah, I went down and watched their training session on Wednesday as well. So What did you make of that? Um, no, they, they, they look pretty fit. Energy levels are up. Um, I like the look of Bailey Humphrey at training. Mm. Um, he looked very good. Um, definitely a you know, future star of the game. Um, but, yeah, they had a few players, I think, missing, doing some other stuff, but um, must have been doing some community visits or something mm. else. Um, but, no, nah, it was really good standard of training. So Yeah, so NTFL Premiership coach Rick Nolan likes to go to Melbourne and takes notes and watches teams train to sort of bring that back into his own coaching. Did you watch Stewie Jew or look at the way that Gold Coast Suns trained and, and get any ideas from that? Yeah, um, definitely. There's a few. Like, a lot of the drills were, you know, done pretty similar to what you do at NTFL level probably um, mm. but obviously a lot more cleaner a lot more high pace a lot more um, game specific everyone pushing through um, it was also Josh Heath was there from Palmerston watching as well so there's only uh, us two there from the coaching front <laughs> but um, yeah I, do, I think it's did a, you swap notes after yeah yeah I was in, I think he had a little notepad but um, <laughs> yeah no I thought it was um, it's interesting as well you know like seeing who rocks up to these things mm. and who puts in that time and effort and if you don't get too arrogant, you can learn stuff and, you know, you learn bits and pieces here and there. No, that's what I mean. Mentioning Josh Heath's name is definitely a positive. It shows that a bloke like that's proactive and yeah. wanting to take ideas to improve his NTFL club. And mm. um, obviously, you know, as you insinuated, you'd like to see probably more coaches up here do that, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Where did you watch the game from? Uh, I was up on the, uh, in front of like Wanderers. Um, up on the hill? There. Yeah, up the so... Yeah, I wasn't. I got grandstand tickets for t- uh, this week's game, but um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the game. I, I definitely thought we we're in, like Suns were in trouble early. Oh yeah, and then steadied and got in front by a fair bit, and then a few dubious umpiring decisions. I thought were pretty. Um, you know, they were they were poor decisions. Got Bulldogs back in it. Um, they were terrible. We'll talk about some of those later. That 50 meter mm, penalty specifically was yeah. one of the worst decisions I've ever seen. Yep, definitely. So th- those things, you know. Did, um, Ended up, you know, putting it back the other way a bit, but it was good that Bailey Humphrey got the sealer to put him back uh, out in front and, uh, yeah, put it beyond measure. We will talk more about the game last week and go into a bit more detail, but our boy Jack Lacocious was pretty good, wasn't he? Yeah, definitely. Um, got his five. Um, 
So it was pretty good for him. Um, but definitely probably going to see him stay forward, aren't we? So um, hopefully he stays forward um, because, yeah, he does look like a better, you know, what, what you said as well last week, that he was a, meant to be a bit more of a Nick Rewalt sort mm. of clone. Um, so, yeah, that come through a bit. Bit of a good luck charm too coming on the show in the morning um, or the morning before, obviously the Friday. Mm. But uh, we probably could have got Isaac Rankin on this week and he would have kicked 10 maybe. Yeah. That, that would have been the formula, I suppose. Yeah, um, that would be interesting. Hey, as a local primary school teacher, it's sports carnival season. Always exciting times. We like to be a little bit more broad and talk about general sports. Were you one of those kids that dominated the sports carnivals back in the day? And what was your specialty nah, event? because no, I um, never really dominated. Late bloomer. But, no, it's just, I, I was a more of a long distance runner. So the yeah. school the schools never did anything really past. I think they did, occasionally did 400s. Um, some some schools did eight hundred stock standard, isn't it? Yeah, they did some eight hundreds, but at, at Dripstone they never did eight hundred. They did a fifteen hundred and across mm. country, and I won. I used to win the fifteen hundred quite comfortably, but I didn't enjoy the sprints as much. So yeah, um, I don't think I could run fifteen hundred meters until I was about seventeen. Yeah, well, I think in, in primary school I ran in the twelves and thirteens, eight hundreds back to back, and won both races. So that was yeah. my glory days. Very nice. Yeah, no, I was more of the uh, I was more the the team captain type, and, and hopefully yep. friends with a few fast kids who could get us the points. But yeah, uh, well, state of origin. Did you watch uh, any of that stuff? We could talk yeah. a bit more about that. Obviously, Queensland twenty six defeated New South Wales eighteen in Adelaide. Yeah, um, disappointing from a New South Wales perspective to concede those points, despite Queensland having a man down in the sin bin. Um, a lot of controversy before the game. Like I said, we'll talk about it later, about the New yeah. South Wales darker blue Guernsey. But just off the top, what were your thoughts on that game? Did you watch it? Yeah, I did watch it. Just, just quite one at home though, mate. But um, yeah, it was Queensland sort of spirit. You know, there have been... New South Wales, they thought we're going to have a bit of a gold near, and that hasn't happened. This year's um, Stad Virgin was going to be a bit more closer, but last year... Queensland were rank outsiders to win it and end up winning it. Um, mm. And then now, now game two goes to Brisbane. So it's going to be tough for New South Wales to come back from this. Yeah, they've never done that. I don't think they've ever won a game two in Brisbane and then gone on to win the series. So mm. that pathway, very, very hard. Yep. Hey, I want to put you on the spot here. I bet you haven't been keeping up to date with the French Open, have you? No, I haven't. A little mate, bit of tennis. So. So. <laughs> well, thankfully, we are going to get Brett Phillips, who I believe is live from France, which is an exclusive. I don't think we've ever had yep. an international guest on Fridays in the top no. end. So uh, hopefully we can get that connectivity right all the way through from the Rain and Horn office to France, and we can talk to Brett Phillips about all the tennis and everything that's happening in the tennis world. Stay tuned to SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Robbie Roland Garros is now streaming on Stan Sport every match ad free, four courts in 4K, and Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches, AATC.tennis. Make sure you check out that link. We are joined by Brett Phillips, who I believe is all the way in France. Brett, do we have you? Uh, indeed, you do. Uh, good morning, uh, gents. Uh, yeah, five days down of Roland Garros, and I feel like we've got. As many highlights that you could pack into the whole tournament. It's been uh, absolutely uh, incredible. Uh, beautiful weather, uh, long five-set matches, which you do get on the clay. Unfortunately, a couple of Aussies bowing out overnight, but uh, we mm. still got uh, one and uh, Thanasi Kokonakis left. That was a big win, wasn't it, over Stan Warinka, a five-setter? That must be exciting for Australian tennis. Yeah, look, it's uh, it's a bit of a, hopefully, a career-defining win for Thanasi. I mean, he's been through... A roller coaster career, you know, really young, prodigious talent on the scene, and all the injuries that came there for about five years, 
Uh, he had that great win against Roger Federer in Miami, which he can you know, say I beat uh, one of the greatest of all time. And the last two years, now the body's become durable, he's been able to play continuous tennis. Now, his ranking sits outside the top 100. For mine, and he's been to 69 career high, uh, his talent um, doesn't really justify that high ranking. So he's got to grind, and you know the Aussies have got to spend a, a lot of time outside of Australia. And if you remember back to the Australian Open this year, he had the heartbreaking uh, five-set loss to Andy mm. Murray when he was two sets to love up. So it was not great to take a scalp, um, stand the man, three-time Grand Slam champion, and hopefully you'll get a lot of confidence out of that. Takes on Karen Hutchinov uh, tonight, who's the 11th seed. And look, he's not without a chance, no doubt. And uh, it's funny, you know, his best performances have come on the clay. The Aussies on clay haven't always been a great... Uh, partnership, but Panasi is the one who doesn't mind actually playing on this surface. Moving away a little bit from uh, Thanasi and Australian tennis players, have there been any other surprises throughout the tournament? Well, it's just been a lot of uh, just feel-good stories of guys mm. who... I, I just did, This morning we had the longest match of the tournament um, in uh, a German Daniel Altmaier knocking out the 8th seed Yannick Sinner. When we think of the three most exciting young players in the game... Uh, Carlos Elcarez, Holger Rune from Denmark and Yannick, you know, all uh, 19, 20 years of age inside the top 10. So there's been a shift, no doubt. But Sinner getting knocked out in five sets, five hours, 26 minutes by the world number 79. It just shows how small the mm. margins are in tennis. He was letting the rip off that single-handed backhand. Crowd, I don't know, they must have given them some jelly beans on the way in. They were an absolute fever pitch inside uh, the court there. And they gave him a standing ovation. I think it went for, you know, a good 10 minutes. And he had uh, tears coming from his eyes. I mean, he, he, he will never climb to the absolute top echelons of the sport. But every every tennis player has the capacity to have it their moment in the sun. And that that is, you know, he, might, he may never emulate that. But that was one of the finest wins. So, yeah, we've had a few upsets. Uh, it does happen on the clay because the South Americans and the Europeans tend to play better on that surface than um, than other surfaces. So you do get a few a few boilovers at the French. Mate, you talk about the clay courts and the difference that it is between the grass and the other surfaces. For a novice like me who can't hit a ball on any court, uh, what are the differences between the clay and, and some of the other surfaces? Yeah, you just don't get as much bang for your buck. I mean, you know, clay... And look, the Aussies... This has been one of the criticisms that we don't have enough clay courts in Australia because clay really builds your game. You learn how to construct mm. points and be patient. Uh, so, you know, it's the guys who... This is why Nadal's won it 14 times. The guys who hit with a lot of top spin get the benefits of the clay because the ball really bounces up. It can get into uncomfortable areas... Uh, the flat hitters, like Alex Stevenor is a really flat hitter of the ball. He doesn't get as much bite through the court as he would on the hard court or, you know, grass court. So, like, the grass at Wimbledon is probably neutralised a little bit. But a grass, if anyone has played on a grass court, the ball's coming onto you really quick. It's skidding on, mm. uh, less reaction time, whereas uh, the clay, it's more a grind. You've got to play 20, 20 shot, 30 shot, 40 shot rallies to actually uh, win a point, even though the racket, racket technology is that, you know, guys are hitting the ball harder than ever before and getting more bang for their buck. So, yeah, it's just a just a tougher surface. Yeah. How does the atmosphere compare to the Australian Open, the French Open and the Australian Open? How do the atmospheres compare? Well, I think each Grand Slam's got their own unique atmosphere. And having been to all of them, uh, you can feel it when you walk through the gates. But the Parisians are something else. And they're, they're educated uh, tennis fans. I mean, 
France is a, a great tennis country, great tennis system over there. Uh, they uh, they support their local players, I, I think, better than probably the other three Grand Slam nations. But if you misbehave in Paris, boy, oh, boy, do they get on you. They're, they're whistling and booing and they'll boo anything. And they've got these famous little uh, sort of catch cries that go with a French crowd. Uh, a bit better than our Aussie, 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 oi, 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 to be totally <laughs> frank with you. So I think we've got some work to do there. But, yeah, uh, yeah it, it, it's, a, it's a great setting. And um, it's it's like a, it's almost like a soccer stadium. Uh, you know, you, you might have 2,000 people there and it feels like 80,000. So they, they bring the atmosphere. In your opinion, is it a two-horse race between Alcaraz and uh, Djokovic? That was what the odds would suggest. Well, yeah, I mean, they're scheduled. They're on the same side of the draw, so they're scheduled to play in the semi-final yeah. if both get through. And I, I think there's every indication they will. And this is the matchup we want to see because they've only played once. The cross-generational battle. I mean, Alcaraz, you know, is going to have a fabulous career over the next 15 years. And, you know, Novak towards the back end of his career. Look, I, I like Alcaraz. I think uh, he's ready to win more trophies. Won the US Open last year. And this is the challenge for Novak. That You know, Novak's got that ability to dial in at the most important tournaments now. He only cares about the Grand Slams. If you can get to 23, 24, it's, it's the year he needs to cash in to be arguably the greatest of all time because these young guys are not prepared just to keep doing their apprenticeship at the moment. They're ready to win trophies, so Novak's going to have to beat his best, but I like Elkarez. 36 years old, Novak Djokovic. Have you started to see a decline, or is his best tennis still, still up there with anyone? Yeah, look, I think... Probably, probably the last two years due to COVID and his own um, situation of you know, not wanting to yeah. uh, be vaccinated, he, has, he hasn't played the same volume of tennis. So it's, it's almost freshened, freshened him up to a degree that might see him go a bit longer. I, I think, you know, certainly there's every indication Novak could, could play to 38, 39. But history says you don't win Grand Slam titles beyond the age of about 37. Roger won his last at, I think, 37, 36, 37. So they're hard to win, uh, and this is why he's got to take advantage of um, you know this year and, and possibly look to win the calendar slam, and and then he would statistically be well clear of uh, you know certainly Rafa who might not get back, and even if he does, uh, I think you know there's an uncertainty now as to whether he's going to add to the 22 he's got. Yeah. Hey, I just Googled current time in France, and I know it's getting late, so just the last question from me. Are there any other Australians coming through in Australian tennis? I'm a big fan of Nick Kyrgios. Do we have any up-and-coming players that can perhaps knock him off the perch? Well, I suppose at the moment we've got we've got eight players inside the top 100, but the only player that you know is, is uh, up in that sort of real top echelon is Alex Dimonor. I mean, he got beaten yeah. that night. He got knocked out of the tournament. He's done a mighty job to get to 20 in the world. And the rest of our group is sort of perched between 50 and 100. Kyrgios is really the outlier because he just doesn't play. I mean, we hardly see Nick play. So, you know, when he turns up... Uh, he, His he, best he, is he very good. Yeah, well, he yep. can pick up a racket and have freakish results. Um, but, you know, whether we see him this year, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, mm. But there's, look, there's, there's a big production line. It's a tough sport to make it. And... Yeah, we um, we need our Aussies to uh, go to that next level. They've got to um, got to roll up the sleeves. It's a really tough global sport, and uh, I think to have eight inside the top one hundred for our population is uh, is not a bad result. Very good, mate. Thank you very much, Brett Phillips. You enjoy the rest of your time over in France. Good on you. Thank you. Appreciate it.
Robbie, that was Brett Phillips talking a little bit of tennis. I thought I went all right there. I thought there's no way yeah. I could talk about tennis for yeah, eight to ten minutes, did, but we hung in there. What's your favourite tennis memory? I'll put you on the spot now. Uh, oh. I'll go first. I watched Kyrgios in 2014 as the underdog going through Wimbledon and had a really good run. That was my uh, favourite. And then I went back, obviously, um, last year when he reached the final. So just just riding the Kyrgios waves probably probably my favourite. Yeah, no, I think I watched a, a fair bit of tennis back in the nineties. So I think mm. watching you know Philippouses <laughs> and all those guys yep. really good. We need to go to a break. Plenty more to come here on Fridays in the Top End. Welcome back to SCN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Robbie, basketball in the NT is thriving, and a man who is no stranger to basketball in the NT is Rod Tremlett, Darwin Salty's first ever signing and. Going great at the moment with his current team. Rod, are you here this morning? I am. Thanks for uh, having us on. No worries, mate. Hey, very, very impressive start to the season. Currently sitting second, 9-1 and one on the NBL 1 North ladder. You must be very happy with the start. Yeah, really happy. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've got some challenges ahead now with two triple headers to round out uh, the season in our uh, last few games. But, um, yeah, really pleased with the start. When you're sitting so good, 9-1, and one, it can be tough to sort of look at areas for improvement. So what are those areas? Where can you see improvement in the side? Um, and what are the keys to victory against the Townsville Flame? Um, I think just for us, uh, a more consistent defensive performance for the rest of the season. I think still having times where we've uh, having patches where our intensity drops away a little bit. Um, so we kind of have prided ourselves on, on our defence this season, which is which has set up our offence pretty well. Um, but, yeah, I think just that consistency in defence is important for us. Um, moving to this weekend, Townsville, yeah, they're, they're a very talented side, um, led by Steph Reid, who's in the current Opals squad uh, as a point guard. A lot of uh, players are run through her. Um, Kate Gaze, a uh, member of the Gaze family, so uh, probably doesn't need mm-hmm. too much introduction there uh, in the Townsville Fire WNBL side. Um, another really good player for them. And then they've added um, Alexis Fowler, uh, who's a under-19 Australian representative. Um, it's been over in college for four years. Um, they've added her since we played them last. So, uh, yeah, we're expecting a, uh, a pretty tight game um, this this weekend. But, um, yeah, we're travelling really nicely. And, uh, you know, we've worked really hard on Scout this weekend for this weekend. And uh, we're hoping we'll be OK. How many people do you have around you helping out with that sort of thing, like opposition analysis and scouting and, you know, devising game plans and that sort of stuff? How many people do you have around you? Um, yeah, there's kind of a, a key team of four. Um, Matty Hunt's my lead assistant. He's based here. Um, mm-hmm. And then I've got Andy Furness, who's based in Brisbane. Um, he does a lot of our uh, video work um, throughout the week and um, is focused on opposition scouting. And then uh, we have a development coach, Jaylene Boundary, who's a local uh, local coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's currently the coach of the NT under-16 girls. Um, so we have great input from her. And then uh, we have uh, team manager, Jill Malseed, who looks after a lot of the uh, off-court logistics for us. So, uh, yeah, it's a good little team. And um, our off-court team's worked really well uh, this season too. Yep, all fam- all familiar names to Darwin basketball, those ones you've listed. Um, who are some of the players individually for your team that has caught your eye this year? Yeah, certainly our two co-captains have been outstanding this season. Aaron Bowman, um, I think, is kind of on track to uh, to be an all-star five 
uh, candidate for the league. Um, she's been outstanding, um, kind of averaging close to triple doubles in, in many of her games. Um, Chelsea Brook um, is just super efficient, um, has, has played some great games for us, gets the responsibility of the uh, the best opposition big every week. Um, and, as you know, she's kind of averaging 15 to 16 points a game on, you know, 8 to 10 shots. So she's super efficient what she's done. I've uh, been really pleased with Ruby Porter uh, this season as well after a Stinner's development player for the Bendigo Spirit last year. Um, she returned to us and has been really consistent this season. And, and uh, I think the introduction of Kat McGregor um, from South West Metro Pirates uh, this season has also been great offensively for us in particular. Um, she's got the ability to break open a game on her own. So uh, that being said, you know the, the key to our success this season so far has been our depth. Um, and we've had multiple players come in and play vital roles in games. Um, so we're not just relying on a key two or three players. You know, we um, certainly feel like we go eight, nine, ten deep. Um, and that's really set, uh, like held us in good stead and is going to be important for the, the triple headers coming up. Yeah, also, Rod, the, um, are you very happy with the way that the Darwin community has embraced the Salties as well? I have seen um, the atmosphere has been uh, electric at times, hasn't it? Oh, it's been amazing, mate. And, uh, you know, again, for the second season running, uh, the stats were just released on uh, online viewership for the Salties and we're 10,000 uh, original viewers ahead of the next closest uh, team and that's across the NBL1 nationally, not just the North. So our support at home as well as like in state um, and overseas has been incredible. Um, and like I said, we lead the nation in that and we're really, really proud of that. That's credit to our like our management team and um, all our off-field, uh, off-court volunteers that make the game night experience an amazing um, night and a great night of entertainment. Um, obviously, last weekend we had you know all sorts of all myriad of things happening with uh, the AFL game down the road and uh, Fred's Pass show and uh, mm. wine June and wine festival going on all the way. And we we had a really good crowd. We were really pleased with that. So. Um, yeah, the numbers are standing up, which is which is so so good. And like I said, our online viewership's been incredible, and we lead the nation in that, which we're really proud of. Yeah, and as a primary school teacher, there's a lot of kids that are always excited about going to the Salties game, and and you know it's really, I think, increasing the popularity of basketball among our schools. Do you see the territory eventually ever getting an NBL team? And if so, what are what time frames are we looking at, and what needs to happen for that to be a reality? Yeah, I think it, it's, it's never been closer to reality than it is now. Um, obviously, all the, the major considerations are uh, financial and, and venue-related. Um, I know the Northern Territory Government have been like amazed with the way the Salties um, have gone uh, in our first season and a half. Um, and I know the NBL have been here now multiple times on visits, assessing um, a potential uh, opportunity to join the NBL. Um, so, I, yeah, I do think it's a reality. Um, We've been really just so thankful for the number of corporate partners that have joined us at um, NBL One level. So I think that substantial investment by you know a lead um, a lead sponsor, um, certainly the assistance of the Northern Territory Government, helping the NBL to find a suitable venue um, like the uh, convention centre there down at the waterfront, um, is also critical to make sure um, we're able to secure a licence. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if that's something that could happen in the next three to five years. NBA finals begin today. Denver and Miami. We've just come off an incredible uh, seven-game series between Miami and Boston. Who is your tip to win the finals? Uh, I just think it's hard to go past 
the Joker and Denver, but I mean, it's how, mm. how good have Miami been? And Jimmy Butler's been oh, incredible. Yeah. Um, and Jimmy Butler's story is amazing. Uh, you know, being the number eight seed and, and getting all the way through to the the big dance is uh, incredible. I think Denver's consistency this year has been unbelievable, though. And um, to try and stop Jokic is uh, no mean task. So. Um, I think I think Miami will put up a good show, but I just I just feel like Denver are going so well at the moment. So um, I reckon uh, potentially Denver four uh, two is my tip. Very good, mate. Thank you, and good luck this weekend against the Flames. Thanks very much for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having us, guys. Cheers. Hey, Rob, are you watching much of the NBA? Who do you have a do you have a tip no, for yeah, us? Yeah, um, no, I'm pretty much going with. Um, I'm going to go with the underdogs in Miami because yeah. everyone's going for Denver. Just ride so, that momentum. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair. <laughs> no, I like that. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll stick with Jokic and, and the Nuggets. Yep. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin for finding a place to write your next chapter. Rob, we spoke very briefly off the top about the state of origin last night. Sorry, Wednesday night. Queensland 26, New South Wales 18. Uh, a disappointing result if you're a Blues fan. And some Blues supporters, the thing that was angering them most during the week was the colour of the jumper, the colour of the Guernsey. So the New South Wales team decided to opt for the darker blue. What was mm. your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I did think it was weird. And then when I put on the game, um, I think now Shawnee Willow now said something about the colour. So I think it was mm. a pretty obvious thing. Um, I do like the lighter blue as well. Um, so, yeah, obviously fans and yeah, when it's so... It can get very sensitive about that stuff, can't mm, it? So. The traditionalists are out in full force. No. Well, to what uh, extent do you dislike it? Do you think that it was just, oh, look, wrong call, move on? Was it an absolute travesty like some people are making out? Or is there room every now and then just to sort of, you know, shift it up a little yeah. bit? The colour's still blue. Oh, yeah, I reckon it's a bit of a, just a shift up that didn't, you know, a hit that didn't hit sort of thing, mm. you know. So I don't think they, sh- they should go with it again. Um, I think they should go back to the traditional blue. Um, that they normally wear. So yep. I think that'll probably be the outcome, I'm guessing, unless something else has been said in the media. Yep. Look, we're not complete rugby league experts, so we're not going to try and put a cap on that doesn't fit, Rob. But mm. what are the keys to victory here for New South Wales? It looked like they were right in the game. Obviously, a yeah. couple of key errors in that last sort of 10 minutes. Um, James Tedesco made a couple of big mistakes. There's been some criticism in the media that Queensland just understands state of origin more. And when mm. the game's there to be won, um, the Queensland players regularly step up. And I know since, well, I suppose since I've taken an interest in state of origin since I was about eight or nine, so the last 20 years, it has appeared like that. It's always seemed like yep. Queenslanders play with more sort of spirit. Yeah, um, and the, it sort of hasn't, I don't know if it had been that way before. It's just more that the Queensland side had gone through a development phase and mm. you, you thought that New South Wales were going to be dominant after Queensland was so dominant with the younger side, but now Queensland are playing youngsters. I've, I've heard talk that they want to change the combo, the six and seven combo. Um, for New South? For New South, so... We've got the two teammates there, Cleary and Luai. So. I thought that was a specific thing. They wanted to get as many Panthers players as possible to get that cohesion up. But yeah. it's probably very debatable whether it worked. And, and no Latrell. Latrell's yeah, you know, pretty much in in you know in career best form or one of the best players in the comp right now. So mm. I don't know if he's back in. Um, Addo Carr struggled. Um, well, they were saying Latrell right last week, if the grand final was on this Saturday, he would have been right to play. So you would have yeah. thought he'd be right for game two. Yeah, definitely. So that's a big in, Latrell back oh, in. Oh, no doubt. Um, so you wouldn't write them off back in Queensland. Um, Queensland won't have to do too much. Um, but had a, a few deputants, a young side, and they all stood up. So, mm. And it does. I, I think it does make a difference when your coaches are such 
modern day legends, recent legends in Billy Slater and Thurston's and yeah. having all those blokes around the group galvanised, I think, the Queensland boys. He's Brad so. Fittler, the right guy. He's coaching New South Wales, isn't he? Yeah, I think he probably might be, but, you know, there's only so many series losses you can have if when you're the favourites, I yeah. think. No, exactly um, right. So pressure the, comes quick. I think pressure will come quick if they lose this one on, on Fittler, maybe. Mm. So... Um, yeah, it's very interesting, Clarky. I spoke before about Shem Tatapu's amazing game in Victoria, and I said that he didn't even have the statistically best game uh, out of Ruckman in Victoria this week. So you've got Harry Thompson from Old Trinity Grammarians had 40 disposals, 66 hit-outs, 17 clearances, and Ben Ratton for Powtown had 45 disposals and 40 hit-outs. They are crazy numbers. All of these statistics are courtesy of Premier Data, Rob, I love how their statistics in local footy now it makes it so much easier to keep up mm. with players um, when they move down south to play or, or when players come up to play in the NTFL and you not do a bit of scouting. Yeah, it definitely does, Clarkie. And it just brings me back to thinking who, who had the biggest sort of stat game in the Territory this year. Um, Did we hit 40 often? I know I traditionally... Lant might have had a big one. Oh, yeah, Lant Tiwi. might have had 40 and 4, something like that. Yeah, I think that would probably be one of the leaders and then Dennis would have had one of those yeah. ruck combo ones. I know uh, Lant had, I think, was it 35-4 and four or 35-5 and five in that game that Palmerston scored about 16 points late in the year yep. um, and ran riot. Uh, I know Dennis, every previous year, had 30 disposals, 27 hitouts. Archer, uh, the Ruckman for Buffaloes, had 25 disposals, 55 hitouts. So they're probably some of the bigger games that I've seen. The disposal record is held, it's jointly held by Michael Barlow and Dylan Lant on 48 each. So... Mm. Um, now I, I check Premier Data's Facebook page every week to look at these big statistical games. I want to I, I want to wait for a 300 ranking point game. We haven't got there. That big ruckman this week got about 270, but yeah, jeez, it's um, that's a massive game, 270. Oh, it is. It's um, a it's reminiscent of Rory Laird on Adelaide Oval, isn't it? Yeah, a super and, and Max Lynch also might have had a few high stats, um, clearance, tackle games as well, mm. without hitting the scoreboard, perhaps. No, exactly um, right. Hey, Rob, you mentioned earlier in the week, um, and we can we can shift this for a couple of minutes if you're not prepared to talk about it now, but the player in Victoria, I believe, perhaps definitely down south, um, was banned for swearing. So I asked before, I said, was it a one-off isolated incident where he's got a life ban? A life ban, I must say, not just a suspension. Mm -hmm. um, and I said, was it an isolated incident? Well, I, I couldn't think of a swear word. that would be worth 15 weeks. But um, you've said, no, it, it's cumulative. So... Little bit of a little bit to play out there, um, but what was your take on that? Why did you send me that message? Why did you say we must talk about this on Fridays in the Top End? Uh, no, that wasn't a, it's something that's I think maybe made the news down there, but it's something that's been pretty common for us up in the territory. We've had was it probably about three, four, five players that have sort of got to that level. The last band one. Yeah, and there's a couple of players um, that are on the cusp of it. Mm. Um, it's an interesting discussion point because I just don't. Um, I think 15 is probably okay in the sense of the games totaled. Mm. Um, there's not many players, I don't think, running around that have more than five game suspensions. I think 15 is a pretty mm. big line to push. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation point. 
So um, that's a bit controversial, Rob, because I mm. think if we polled that, most people would say it's ridiculous and would be against it. But I think you and I are sort of in agreement there by saying that if you play football, you mm. shouldn't really accumulate 15-week suspension. I mean, mm. you know, obviously I'm not renowned for being a big, super hard, tough enforcer type or anything like that, but I've never copped a week. Have you copped a week? Yeah. Most of my um, friends or a lot of people I know that have played, you know, 150, 200, 250 games of senior footy haven't copped a week or, or have had under five. So it shouldn't be too hard to stay under 15, even if you do have those long careers. Yeah, I, I think definitely. Um, and like, but maybe it comes down to the environment we, we played in, you know, like in, in some of the St. Mary's sides we played in, we never really had anyone running around um, sort of getting suspended as much. Mm. Um, the toughest football I played with Jared Eilert, I think he might have got about two or three weeks suspension his whole career. Mm. Um, so it's definitely a blueprint that, you know, is something to talk about, but... Um, yeah, I've, I think I've only got one week suspension my whole career. Um, so, yeah, I just 15 games, it can be one really bizarre incident where you could get an eight or ten weeker, which knocks you back, but you have to just skate on thin ice from there. So, mm. um, yeah, you got offered the one week. To Mind you, it'd be pretty bad to get an eight to ten weeker. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, you'd have to do something pretty outrageous. But, um, yeah, he did the... Um, he did get offered one week, but obviously with a 16-game threshold, mm. had to challenge it and got his two. So... Um, it is what it is, and it does look like a headline grammar when it, uh, grabber when it's at, for language, but in hindsight, it was, you know, um, obviously accumulation of things. Um, was it a suspension for language, or was it a suspension for umpiring abuse? Uh, I think it was an opposition player. Oh. Um, yep. So he's basically just gone off sledge and... and yeah. Use vulgar language, and probably, probably with an earshot of the crowd, I'd imagine, if he was reported, and, and that's what's got him. Yeah, um... Yep, so that's what it seems like it was. Um, and he did get you know, eight games in the Kyabram District League, so, so maybe just all adds up. Kyabram District, was it? Yeah. Jeez. Uh, yeah, that was the league before. Um, oh, yeah, okay, then, sorry. Then three in the ovens in Murray, so he's got... He's come from good stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he might have been playing for a fair while. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... <laughs> That's your yeah, old stopping ground. That's your old stopping ground, isn't it? Yeah, the old yeah. KDFL. Oh yeah, glory days, mate. <laughs> on the hall of, back there. Lancaster Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the AFL curtain raiser this weekend will be Waratah, last year's NTFL premiers, and the CAFL representative team. A very new concept, not one that has been. I don't want to say it's never been done, but it hasn't been done for a long time. Where you've had a CAFL rep team play last year's premiers. Um, how's this one going to go? Uh, I think. I've seen Waratahs train and they didn't look like they had many out there. Um, I just obviously sent messages out to James Arata and Charlie McAdam and I haven't had anything back, so I've got no Plenty idea. Plenty of excitement building. Yeah, I've got no <laughs> idea who's playing. Um, I did see a few old blokes running around for Waratahs, <laughs> which was concerning. Um, Wayne Warden's playing. Yeah, no, actually on that. Yeah, I did see that um, Anthony Hoban was yeah. out there training on the social media posts they put out. So Frankie Matthews at full know, forward. Yeah, obviously we do know Waratahs are a very southern-based club. Yeah. Um, they shouldn't take offence to that statement. They are. But, yeah, there's should only... Be, should be 22 of them left in town somewhere. Yeah, yeah, there should be. So I think they've got a few B-grade blokes. I think I've seen Tommy Cree running around there. Um, so maybe Tommy Cree, James Arata. They might maybe have four or five blokes from the Premiership. Is that, is that how low you're going? You reckon four reckon, or five? Reckon, maybe six. They'll be under 15, though. That's a, that's yeah, a fair, fair... I'm going with six from the Premiership side. Well, what does that mean? Like, if they run out with a depleted team, does it... Does it take anything away? Well, that's a silly question. Of course, it takes something away from the capital yeah. victory if they win. Oh, what, how do we analyze that? Yeah, I don't. Oh, it's, it's tricky. Um, yeah, I, I would have much rather maybe a Catherine or a Big Riverside or a collection of Darwin sides, like an urban Darwin team, maybe. Mm. 
rather than the club. But Waratahs are trying to be proactive in that space now and trying to be a bit more of like a, a trendsetter, maybe o- like overstepping what Nycliffe were probably were three years ago. Mm. I think they're trying to be the new Nycliffe in that aspect um, as the power club in the league, and I think they're really going about it the right way and doing it. Um, and it gives them more exposure, doesn't it? So It does give more exposure. I think to play... Like, that's a big thing for the Waratah Football Club. Mm. They play a curtain raiser to an AFL game at TIO Stadium. They're playing at this time of the year, which is very rare for a club. Mm. So, full credit to Waratah. Whoever have been involved in those conversations to make this a reality, hats off to them. Um, but people will always criticise the concept of it just because mm. of the timing. Obviously, NTFL teams are quite transient and mm. you could have, you know, three or four weeks after the season, you might only have half your list there that played in a flag a month earlier, sometimes even less. And Waratah, probably of all teams, could be accused of, of being a team that's like that. So um, the CAFL, obviously, they'll go up here, probably get a win, build momentum and, and feel really good about themselves. And that's not negative about the CAFL. But like you said, I would have liked to have seen them play a uh, representative maybe a representative of a couple of different communities up here or perhaps one of the communities if they can be competitive like a Big Rivers Football League or or just have like a top-end team. I think they've done that before, haven't they? Top-end community um, team where they've yeah. combined a whole bunch. Um, well, I've just got the uh, side sense through to me. Thanks to... G- exclusive. Yeah, thanks to a close contact here. So, do you want to name it? Or should yeah, we... let's go. All right, so back Are we line. allowed to? Oh, might as well. Might as well. Um, Jimmy Arada, Tom Spence uh, and Karen Ewer. Half-back Which one? one? Uh, Timothy, I think it yep. is. Uh, half-back line, Will Clark, Luke Arant, and M. Pescado, who's a, who's a young kid coming through that I like yep. the look of. Centerline, Blitner, Ed Morris, and Galea. Yep. Don't know who Galea is. Half-forwards, Booth, Hall, Crocker. And full-forward lines, Dwayne, Kerenua, S. Kenner, B. Carroll. Rucks, Askrew, Cree, and Cooper Best. And then on the interchange, we've got Hatcher, McCormack, Paulson, and Don't. Jeez, I said six from the premiership side. I think I could be on the money here, Chloe. <laughs> of name. There's one, That's why they two, call you the, guru. the guru. Three, four, five from the premiership side. Oh. But in hindsight to that, they've got... Um, they do have a lot of young players yeah, from the premiership that, hey. side. I was going to say the Kiranoa boys, Cooper yeah, Best, they're um, the ones that stand out. Yep, and uh, Will Clark, Don Booth, those guys are real fringe Premier League players yep. um, that could be, and you know, um, Sam Askew played, uh, I think it was Northern, no, one of the um, high-level leagues, was it for Aspley or somewhere, so, or down in Sydney maybe. So he's one that played some B grade this year but didn't break into the side. Mm-hmm. Um See, that's not a bad Waratari outfit. I'll give him credit for, for that. this time of the year, especially. Definitely, yeah, with some kids coming through. So, yeah. thanks for that, Mr. Brian. No worries. We might talk a little bit more uh, about that game shortly, but we do need to go to the news. So, stay with us. We will talk about the big AFL game in town this weekend, all the AFL action from last week, all the games from this week. Plenty more to come here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Live on SEN Top End, 16.11am. This is Fridays in the Top End with Jackson Clark, Raph Clark and Rob Hale for Rain and Horn Darwin, finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Robbie, download the Get Set Bet app today because there's some great deals on there and we are joined by... Craig Driver, the Chief Operating Officer. Craig, are you here this morning? Morning, guys. How are we? Morning, mate. Craig, can you please tell us a little bit more about Get Set Bet? Yeah, sure. We're a relatively small operator. Been in the market for about 18 months. Lots of stuff in the, in the territory. Um, and, yeah, look, we, we 
believe in uh, you know, fairness and fun. So uh, a lot of offers for customers and, um, you know, we like to keep it pretty light, like to give uh, customers a fair go. Mm. Hey, based in the Territory, have you ever thought about uh, getting some NTFL markets eventually, the local football? Yeah, it's a, it's a funny one, isn't it? I guess the, the issue is getting the, the, the right intelligence on it. Um, but, yeah, look, it's definitely something. We want to do a lot more work up in, in the Territory. We've certainly uh, been a sponsor of a couple of the clubs over the time. So, yeah, definitely something we're looking at for next season. Hey, the NBA finals are beginning today. Do you have a same-game multi? Yeah, we do. Uh, look, I expect Denver. Yeah, they're just going to be fresher, I think, and they're the mm. you know, they're the very strong favourites. Uh, for me, you know, I think Denver will cover the line, which is eight and a half. Uh, I think uh, you know a tight first game uh, in terms of the, the defence. So we'll go the under two hundred and eighteen and a half points, uh, and then Jokic has been dominant for. Uh, Denver. Uh, Butler's been dominant for Miami, so we're going to go both of those guys to score over 25.5 points uh, and that's a ten, that'll pay $10 for that same game multi. Definitely some very good value there. That bet sounds great to me. I think uh, I agree with your the line, having the under the points line. Um, I think Miami's defence will be will be on point too. They are, uh, they've done very well coming from 8th seed there, mm-hmm. competing with Denver. Uh, any other futures markets for the NBA? Oh, look, Denver are a very short price favourite. They're $1.25 to win the NBA. Mm. Uh, Miami are $4. Look, it, it, on paper, as you said, you know, Denver come in as first seed from the Western Conference and Miami had to fight to get into the eighth place in the East. So uh, it does mm. look uh, lopsided on paper, but you know, Miami have been defying the odds the whole way through. We actually had a customer take 250 to 1 about Miami winning uh, in the Plains. Um, so we're cheering Denver hard. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, hey, before we let you go, uh, this is our first time speaking. We are AFL boys, Robbie and myself. Yeah. Do you have an AFL team? Uh, I'm a Sydney boy. Sydney boy? Gee, it's been a rough season. I'm a Swan supporter, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, yeah. What are the... Uh, what are the odds that you have on making the finals? The at least your unofficial odds on making the finals this year. Pretty pretty low, I'd imagine. Oh yeah, look, I, they're going to have to go on a run, aren't they? You know, like it's, yeah. uh, they certainly you'd be uh, you'd be the greatest Swans uh, supporter optimist to think they'll make the GF. Uh, 100%. Don't worry, mate. I'm a Richmond supporter, so things aren't looking very good for me either. Thanks very much for joining us this morning, Craig. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Cheers, mate. You too. Hey, Rob, um, exciting news with a new wagering partner up in the Territory. Yeah, um, Obviously, we, we were just really, thinking about... Yeah, I'd really love, I'd love it for some NTFL betting mm. um, and some better markets and some Nichols medal more stuff. More detailed and stuff. More detailed stuff. So that'd be really good if they um, did mm-hmm. that, Clarkie. Yeah, exactly. And so if you want to be treated like a very important punter, getsetbet.com.au. But what are you really gambling for? What are you really gambling with? Sorry, for free. What are you really gambling for? We know why. For free and confidential support, please visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Rob, uh, plenty to talk about, plenty on the Australian football front to talk about. Let's wrap up our conversation about the Waratah versus the CAFL representative team. Um, Obviously, we've spoken about the Warriors team and five premiership players from last year. So quite depleted, but a good opportunity to bring up uh, some of these young players. Cooper Best, a young midfielder with pretty good athleticism for what I've seen of him, uh, had a handy game in the under-18s grand final. But 
Dwayne Kiranoa and Timothy Kiranoa, the two surprise packets, not surprise packets, but the excitement machines from that grand final. Uh, Kiranoa played in the back line and was really good. And then you had Dwayne Kiranoa, sorry, Timmy Kiranoa played in the back line, getting confusing here, and was really good. And then you had Dwayne Kiranoa, who kicked all five goals up forward in a best-on-ground performance. So for those players to get a chance to play at what is essentially senior level would be a good opportunity for them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do like, and Ollie Polson's a kid I coached. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was good well, too. And yep. he's good. And uh, McCormack on the bench is actually a key back, a young key back for him, him and, and Pescado. And McCormack's played on some good young forwards in the under-18s. So I'm hoping Waratahs do start to play some of these kids moving forward because they are going to be targeted by the football clubs if they don't play them. Mm. Um, and obviously the Kieran Newell boys um, are very strong, I think, with Waratahs. I don't think they'll go over to Tiwi, mm. is my guess. Yeah. Um, so it, it's definitely... Definitely looking good for Waratahs with these kids, and Cooper best starting on the ball um, with Tommy Crean, Ed Morris. That, that's experience that you can't buy before mm. the preseason for that for those youngsters. Roughly, how many from that under 18s Premiership are playing? There'd be about five, wouldn't there? Yeah, so Karen Newell and Biscardo, uh, Xavier Blitner as well on the wing. Um, yeah. He surprised me. I thought um, I didn't. I don't. Th- I wouldn't say that I thought he was overrated, but I just didn't think he was as good as what some people said. And then mm. watching him just be a bit more cleaner in the finals for Waratahs, he really stood out to me. So that's the third bloke, and then Kieran Newell four best five. So you've got seven blokes, and Addison Don't's pretty young as well. Yeah. So he's probably about 20, maybe. No, I reckon so he's younger. I reckon he's a teenager. Oh, I reckon no, he's... Maybe 19. Be, how old is Antonio James? He's friends Actually, with him. Actually, yeah. Addison, yeah, Addison might be 20 this year. So, yeah. But barely 20. So yeah, still six young or seven, for footy, yeah. Waratahs have done this the right way, playing these kids and getting them an opportunity to play against what we need to, like a hopefully, a strong um, Central Australian side. And... Obviously, now we can see that um, A-Bankers will be playing against him. So, mm, yeah. um, if he is playing, I, I he imagine playing. he should be. Yeah, it would be. You'd hope so. If you were the Cafel, you'd be doing Is Darley playing? Could. Yeah, well, that's a good question, too. That definitely boosts their midfield. Like, they, that's what I mean. For a game like this, and I don't want to be too mm. critical because I have written down in my notes, I've got a little whack for them later as well, but the CAFL, uh, like, they do have talented footballers there, mm. but we would have heard throughout the last however long, however many years, criticisms about lack of CAFL coverage, lack of CAFL representation in these territory teams, mm. lack of CAFL respect in general. But yep. when one day out from probably the biggest game the CAFL have played in a decade and you don't have teams, there's no. barely any excitement about it. No one, I don't know what reporting's going on in the media, um, but no one's contacted me from the CAFL to talk about stuff. You can barely find information on their official website. I just think it could improve. Definitely. It's, it's, and, it's not about it, being negative. It just could be, it could be improved. And the other aspect is, Clarky, from my coaching perspective as well, some of these football clubs are going to have issues with points coming up. With So same, like a lot of the top sides now are very um, southern-focused. Mm. So going down and watching the... Mm. And trying to find a few um, few dark horses there who are zero pointers for you is is also important as well. And obviously Waratahs have that connection with a bankers, so they can get a few there themselves, um, which they will probably do. So yeah, it is a it is frustrating because you want to sort of match up the sides, do a prediction. We could have got a few of the players on the show today. So mm. um, is what it is though. Um, but the Waratah side, I'd probably give it a six out of ten, strength-wise. So let's let's just go with the margin here. What who do you think will win the game? Now that you've seen at least Waratah's team, and what's what why? I think Central Australia should win, but I wouldn't be surprised if Waratah's win with the core they've got here. 
with Tom Cree and Ed Morris and a few of these guys Carol. and Carol. And if Crocker plays, he might not play. Um, but Don Booth and these fringe players. And then you've got um, some of these young kids coming through. Mm. Um, these young kids should be, you know, using this as a stamp to get their pre-season right and to get their cred up for round one as well. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not too... Um, I'm, not, I'm pretty upbeat about the Waratah side, though. Yep. Definitely side for the future for him, Clarky. What's your prediction? Yeah, I agree with you. Generally positive on Waratah. Um, mm. I think they have named the side probably... They probably didn't have a lot of choice, really, with what yeah. side they would name. But at the same time, it's going to be a good opportunity for these young players. Um, good to see that they've backed them in. Hopefully the side, what it looks like now, can be a similar-looking side You know, in the early rounds of the NTFL. Maybe not some of the fringe-type players, but having those six or seven players from that premiership team last year, I think that would be a, a step forward and will what really give Waratah more respect among the competition. Obviously, they've got the ultimate respect as the reigning premiers, but to be a team that is, a, you know, fostering the next junior talent up in Darwin, that's that next level I think the Waratah need to step into. So, I don't know. I think um, I think I'm going to go to the CAFL just because mm. maybe a little bit more to play for. Uh, I don't know. You know, they big long trip, a lot of pride in the in their league. So maybe the CAFL by a couple of goals. Playing, think of another aspect too, Clarky. If if they were playing the Waratah Premiership side last year. Mm. What, what margin would you go with there? So you've got the basically whatever CFL have versus that Waratah team from the flag yeah. team. Oh, gee, I don't know. Someone texted me this week and said it'd be about a f- seven or eight goal win to Tars, and I was like, yeah. geez, I'll, I'll honestly almost go with More. 20 yeah. goals. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking seven or eight might have been conservative. Um, <laughs> Depends where it's played as well, though. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what does it? one... Well, one thing you have to look at, if we're being honest, St. Mary's had a pretty good team, not a dominant team, but that team that went 43 wins in a row back in, I think, 2013-14 or 2012-13 when Jason Cotter arrived, the only loss they had for the season was in round one against the Central Australian Red Tails. Mm. And, you know, the Red Tails... In Alice as well, yeah. In Alice as well. But the Red Tails had a couple of star Alice Springs players who were floating around that didn't end up playing that night for the Red Tails. So they, their side could have been stronger, just like St. Mary's' team. And they were competitive then, so... I don't know. I don't want to sell the Caffle short. If they've got a midfield of anchors and Darley and a couple of exciting players around that, what's someone like Nigel Lockyer doing? He's, he was always very influential in these rep games when he plays for the Caffle, but yeah. I haven't heard of him kicking bags down south I, this year. So. I think I think the standard might have dropped a bit as well mm. in the CAFL without watching much of it, just seeing some of the names run around and that sort of thing. I think the standards probably dropped a little bit. So from those days, yeah. Um, and but it's probably not, gonna, not. There might not be many diamonds in the rough, but. Yeah, they might they might have to get topped up from some of the Darwin boys that are flying down. Who um, do you hope to see play for that Caffle team? So I'll go first. I hope that Shane in Kamala gets a run. He yep. was a player that I believe you might have coached. Did you coach that Young Guns game or were yeah, involved in it? Yeah. And he was there. Um, very very raw prospect, uh, but he's one I would like to see. Um, who would you very quickly? Because we need to go to a break. I don't know. Charlie McCann. Yeah, Uncle Charlie. But, but they do have a few good young kids coming through. Um, yeah. So I'm not too sure who's based in Alice Springs and who isn't. Um, obviously, Lando Turner and those types. I don't know if they'd be playing, though. They've probably got yeah. rep footy down south. So. More important things. Busy yeah, things. Yeah, busy games. Alrighty, Robbie, we do need to go to a break. Let's get cracked into the AFL stuff after this. Obviously, a big yep. game at Terrio Stadium tomorrow night with the Suns and Adelaide. Stay with us here on SEN Fridays in the Top End. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin. Finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Robbie, let's talk about the AFL. Obviously, it's very exciting with the Gold Coast Suns in town, but pretty exciting 
all around with the AFL world at the moment, I think. Sydney, 11-11-77, defeated Carlton, 6-15-51. And that's emphasised the 15 part because 6-15 is woeful kicking, as we all know, and the spotlight has been shined on Harry Mackay. What do you do in that situation? Have you ever had the goal-kicking yips? Uh, not uh, Something not, we never really got to focus on too much, which I didn't like. When I started coaching... Um, I actually used to try to do it for the last 10, 10 or so um, minutes. Um, mm. But I think that's just um, yeah, something that coaches don't focus on too much and it's an important aspect of the game. So, And then sometimes when you do get players to do it, a training, mm. they stuff around. So it's, an, it's a double-edged Yeah, it's seen sword. as like a fun it's thing. It's seen as know, a fun and... thing. So, But like my goal kicking like later on in my career, I took more more seriously and I was pretty good at it by then, but probably by then it's too late. Mm. I know now a lot of the AFL coaches are complaining about load management um, and players unable to do it, but I sort of said... But that, it's not that hard, come on, Yeah, yeah maybe, but I just think, why why get your full forwards and centre forwards and your, and your goal kickers to constantly do all pairing off running drills yeah. all the time if it's load management? Mm. So that's sort of what gets me frustrated is that I think it should become... AFL training should become more specialised. No, 100%, and I wouldn't... Mm. I would back you in 100% but yeah it's a weird one from coaches to talk about load management like surely in Harry Mackay's context you just do a couple of couple less 400 metres during pre-season or, mm. or you know during your running session uh, when they have that and focus on shots for goal like that's that's their bread and butter the shots for goal is a full forward if you can't kick for goal then what value are you mm. Michael Voss did have this to say about Harry Mackay during the week no I don't think so I think you stick to your strengths um, these moments, sometimes it's the, there might be a, a need to step away from those. I guess my experience over a long time is to step into those and, uh, and just keep reinforcing what he needs to be able to do and, and, and keep backing that in. And He'll make the adjustments needed. That doesn't mean that we don't change things. But what I'll say is, is that sometimes simple is better than complex. And, um, and that's not just about what Harry's doing. That's about us as a team and keep, continue to reinforce those. Mm, took a little while there for Vossi to get his thoughts out, but we got him eventually. Um, hard to argue too much with that. What are your thoughts on clubs' reluctance to get outside expertise in? Obviously, you don't want a thousand voices screaming at Harry, telling him how to kick for goal. But in an instance of, say, uh, we've seen Matthew Lloyd put his hand up before to help out and say, hey, I'm, I'm happy to help this guy. I think it might have been... Uh, Max King, maybe he did that too, potentially a couple of years ago. But um, and they turned it down and they said, "No, thank you. We have our own coaches. We have our own assistant coaches, um, and and they don't like to bring in the expertise." So, would you be looking at a guy like Matthew Lloyd if he put his hand up and said, "Hey, I'm willing to come into the club and help Harry Mackay," or do you think, "Nah, it's fine for the clubs to back back their own personnel"? Uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a tricky one. Um... Yeah, it makes it, it. It's. I'd rather just back in who I have internally. Mm. But if you have a forwards coach that has different aspects of his craft, and you bring in a specialist like set shot kicking, then maybe that's what it makes sense. I just, that's what I mean. I, was, I just think goal kicking is a different thing to coach than a forward line coach. Forward line coach, you know, doing leading patterns and structures and defensive and all that sort of stuff. The art of a set shot kick for goal is something that mm. I think can be. Welcome back to SCN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Rob, just quickly going through some of the AFL results from last week. Uh, Melbourne lost to Fremantle. Fremantle the victors here, 12-7-79 to 10-12-72. Uh, 
Uh, Greater Western Sydney, 12-9-81, defeated Geelong, 10-14-74. Toby Green, special player, played his 200th game on the weekend and starred, kicking four goals. Hawthorne, we spoke about that a little bit, spoke about their young players coming through. 12-16-88, defeated St Kilda, 12-6-78. Probably a question for Raf Clark when he makes his return to the studio, but um, where is St Kilda at? They're still deeply entrenched in the finals, but dropping games like that makes you think that there might not even be a legitimate finals team. Where are they at? Yeah, they are. They're putting along a bit, aren't they? Mm. Um, looking at their form guide, it's win, loss, win, loss, win. Oh, loss, win, loss, win. Throwing uh, their loss. fall away last year. Yeah, so there there are alarm bells going off there a bit. Um, and then you've all got, also got the resurgence with Bombers with an easy draw. Geelong outside of that top eight. And then you also got Frio winning four in a row. Mm. So they, they, they could be a sitting duck. They're definitely going to have to get a couple more wins through this bye period um, as well, Clarky. So Yeah, I agree. Um, King back, in theory, should help some. Should yeah, help them, but... Yeah, they definitely should have won that game on the weekend. They, mm. What were they up by? They were up by, you know, two and a half goals with yeah, eight late minutes two. to go yeah. or something and end up losing by two goals. So, yeah. so it was a massive drop-off. And I think seeing some of our um, fellow media commentators, the work rate from the St Kilda you know, midfield was mm. pretty slack. Not yeah. pairing off. They might have. They might have just got a bit comfortable as well. Um, but yeah, James Sisley, what a game! Forty-three touches. Yep. Suspended so, though. That that was frustrating. Yeah, I, di- I didn't think I didn't like that suspension. Um, Did, as in, he shouldn't have been suspended. I thought he shouldn't have. Mm. Yeah, it's a what tricky are you, one. What's your thoughts? Oh, look, mate, he was just about my super coach captain, so of course I'll I'll yeah. back that viewpoint in. But I had Laird as well, and from from my selfish fantasy football perspective, but I thought both of them were probably a bit iffy. I thought Sicily was in more trouble, you know, when the old, when you bump and, and hit the head, you're always in a bit of strife. Mm. Um, I don't know, it's all, it's it's a crazy climate. I don't want to whinge and complain too much because I don't think it's an absolute travesty and I do agree yep. in theory with protecting the head, but gee, it makes you unsure. Hey, when you watch tackles, you're like, oh, is that a suspension? And it might not even be a free kick. You know, we saw Tom Jonas earlier in the year get a suspension after receiving a free kick for holding the ball, I think it was, so... Um, yeah, really interesting stuff. We're going to leave the Gold Coast Western Bulldogs stuff for a little bit longer because there's a bit more I want to talk about that. So we'll get through these ones. Essendon, 14-12, 96, defeated West Coast, 6-10, 46. Um, tell me if I'm wrong here, just another clinical win from the Bombers did enough and with a favourable draw, draw are in the box seat to make the finals. Yeah, definitely. I think the expectation's got to be finals now, especially with Peter Wright coming back probably next week or the week after. So, yep. um, yeah, they did, did what they had to do, didn't they? So They did. Um, Port Adelaide defeated Richmond 10-17-77-9-13-67. First game at the helm for Andrew McWalter, the new interim coach. Port Adelaide a little bit too good in the end. Uh, it was a competitive game. Zach Butters, an absolute star, and probably another three Brownlow votes heading his way. It would be very interesting to see how many votes he would be sitting on. Do you think he's any smoky? Oh, he might have to be, because um, I think the way the Brownlow markets do work, don't they? They go in for the short mm. price favourites, and then you try to... Because there is a lot of optimism in the outsiders, so yeah. they do have to poll a lot. But Butters is looking like that. I'd have to look at Port Adelaide's draw as well and see mm. how easy the draw is. Um, Go moving forward as well. Well, they but, have won a lot of games. Yeah, and I, I, but great effort from Richmond. It was one of those games in a, in a weekend of upsets where you probably would have tipped Richmond. Mm. Um, I think a couple of people in my tipping comp did and lost by 10 points, so you're not disgruntled by that tip, mm. really. They can go either way, those ones, when yeah. you have a new coach. Sometimes they can be galvanised and you know mm. the Tigers can come out and then they can have a admirable loss like they did on the weekend. I thought Tim Taranto was really good. Easily the best player for the Tigers. 33 disposals and four goals and about a centimetre away from kicking a fifth. So 
Definitely his best game for the year. Collingwood got the job done against North Melbourne, 16-9, 105 to 10-10-70. Again, nothing too much to write home about this mm. game. The Pies just getting it done. The Sunday Twilight game was interesting. Adelaide and Brisbane Lions. So the Crows, 14-11-95, defeated a wayward Brisbane Lions, 10-18-78. The Lions kicked one goal nine in the third quarter. So they had all the momentum and it looked like they were going to overrun the Crows, but just couldn't capitalise in front of goal. Adelaide at Adelaide Oval are just about the best team in the competition. They've recorded some big wins against decent opposition and pushed Collingwood all the way. Yeah, definitely. It does look like there's a bit of, um, you know, like slippery conditions as well in Adelaide that teams haven't adapted with. And, um, mm. yeah, very, I think, I think inside 50 was, um, Lions had 20 more inside 50. So I'm still, I'm still sticking with the Lions for the flag for mine. Mm. Um, it's very interesting that we just spoke about in the break with, um, with Sen having the, uh, Daniel uh, Hoyan on and yeah. he said that uh, it was out of the last 18 seasons only one side that's sitting on top and looking invincible have went on to win the flag and I think that was that your... I don't know which team that was that year I think it was Melbourne 2021 yep so is that your that Collingwood watch, this year so I do you see Collingwood, Collingwood as yeah, yeah I think so I think I think Collingwood's game plan can be worked out. Yeah. And that's why also, Clarky, I think the Hawthorne Premiership era sides were better than the Cats, yeah. better than the um, uh, uh, Lions sides because I think football's been analysed by a much higher level, more technology. Yeah. So those Premierships, there's more eyes and aspect put on, uh, and Richmond as well, actually, yeah. um, put on those guys um, on an al- analysis sort of point of view. So um, I, I think, think some of these... Sorry to cut you off there. I think to back up your point there, the analysis is so high and, and the you know, like the scouting and that sort of stuff mm. that Hawthorne and Richmond have had to change their game plans mm. during their dynasty. Yep. Um, you know, Geelong and Brisbane and some of these older teams have been able to largely hit the same style and they're so ruthless and so effective where Hawks, um, you know, Clarkson was able to change it up and I think Richmond have changed their style as well. Obviously their first year was a lot more of a Jack Revolt as the main guy there and then a bunch mm. of small forwards. By the end of it, their forward line was a lot different with Lynch and Revolt and Caddy as a third tall type. Mm. So they definitely changed their game style um, sort of on the fly a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So that's sort of my logic about um, how Collingwood could probably get worked out. They do play that run and gun sort of mm. style. There'll be some very smart assistant coaches, coaches, um, senior coaches going through how they stop it because it can be stopped. Yeah, we've seen. I've, we all thought Richmond couldn't be stopped at, at times, and they were going to come back, and they haven't, mm. which is no. Dis- everyone can know. be stopped. Everyone can be stopped if it, like Lee Matthews said, if, if, if it the bleeds, Bombers can, it can be stopped be in two thousand by the Bulldogs, then yeah. anyone can be stopped. That's my opinion. Greatest team ever, 2000 Bombers. Yeah, I probably wouldn't argue with that. One, um, one, one hit, one hit Warriors though. That that should have been the dynasty, there, Rob. That's a oh, sidetrack. Well, but 99, 99 2001. Should have played in the granny. 2001, we yeah, lost. Yeah, should have, would have, um, <laughs> Gold Coast, 13 6 84, defeated Western Bulldogs, 11 11 77. This is the game that I want to talk about. Um, did the Bulldogs have more support from the crowd? Oh yeah, massive. That's um, yeah. That was that was yeah, that was pretty crazy. Not sure about that. They had like um, the chance going, the Bulldogs chance, and I was almost going to. They should have muted it on the commentary because it's a, it's a Gold Coast fortress well, up here. It was also interesting because I got my kids every day off school because we went down and watched them train. And, oh, yeah. Um, Good reason. As you do, Ben, enough thing. <laughs> and, um, yeah, you don't need the education. Yeah. Just go down and watch the Bulldogs train. Our plan's on. Who cares? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we went down. And, yeah, I was I said to – I was with um, Jade McGregor and, and my brother as well, and we went down. And I said, oh, no, they'd probably be less than what Hawthorne had. Mm. But Hawthorne trained at, like, at Friday Arvo, 5 o'clock. Yeah, and there was right more on. at the Bulldogs training at midday, like at midday. So on a school day, on a school day, oh, yeah. it was there was 
thousands, oh, not thousands, but <laughs> sound, let's just blow yeah, yeah. it up. But there was just probably, yeah, it might have been three or four hundred there watching training. So that's a good number. And obviously, yeah, Josh Heath was there as well. So yep. seeing him there, so three hundred one. Um, yeah. Yep. Crowd of 9,316. Is that disappointing? So for context, there was 11,864 people at the NRL the other month. Um, so my opinion is that if we're going to build momentum for a territory team, even if we have to... to to deserve the right to discuss the potential of it, I think we need to have a minimum of 10,000 there at every AFL game. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned that the Territory are fair where the supporters a bit or they do jump off um, mm. and just get used to stuff. And it, These two games that we've got, at the start of the year, you would have thought they're probably not great games. No. But now they're, they're middle-tier games. Yeah, like they're very Adelaide, good games. There's a few pundits calling Adelaide a sneaky premiership mm. chance. So I'd expect this week we should have, you know, at least 10 there. And the dogs are no slouches, a bit inconsistent, but no, you know, they're the best football. The dogs had won four or five in a row, hadn't yeah. they, coming into that before um, before that outcome. So mm. no, very no, interesting, Clarky. That's what I mean. Both of us were sort of willing to die on the hill that this is an AFL state, not an NRL state, and a few a few things have gone against us, I reckon, in the last couple of couple of months. Not, not willing mm. to sway yet. You're maybe a little bit more stubborn than I am, but I'm starting to think, gee, I'd... I don't know if I if I was as yeah if it's as AFL state as I thought. So if I'm if you're a territory football fan listening to this and you are wanting to deserve the conversation to talk about bringing a team up here, you need to get down to the footy this weekend. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Um, I don't want to sound too negative, but while we are on it, the sound system and the production quality could have been greatly improved. You could barely hear the club songs when they were coming out, um, at least from the grandstand. Jeez, I didn't even know they played the club That's songs, what I mean. So I couldn't even hear yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's what I mean. I could go on and on and on about that, and I was. I had had my phone ready to write a status, but I thought, no, nah, no, nah, look, we'll just enjoy the footy and, and not be a Is negative the Nelly. the AFL or the AFLNT? No, I don't know. I don't know. But um, it shouldn't be too hard. Let's talk about the game itself. Um, the Suns did a very good job to come back when the Bulldogs pushed hard late. Obviously, yeah. a few umpiring decisions were very, very questionable, especially the 50-metre penalty against Ben Ainsworth would just about be the single worst umpiring decision of the year, in mm. my opinion. Um, I thought Mac Andrew played a really good game in defence. Obviously, he will miss this weekend due to a off-field indiscretion, um, a club-imposed suspension. Joel Jeffrey moved to defence and was first, sort of one of the first times we've seen him play in defence at AFL level. Did you like that move? Yeah, I was talking to a few Darwin people in the crowd and they didn't like the move, but I thought it was good. I think playing forward's very tricky. Mm. Jack Lukosius has a few more years of experience and rate, um, mm. is rated probably just a bit higher than him, obviously, so it gives a good responsibility to Jack Lukosius and I think Jeffrey looked really good back there. Did you? What did you think of it? Yeah, serviceable game. Nothing that you'd like really write home about and say mm. he's going to be an absolute star, but I think Joel has the talent to be a, have a good AFL career, and I think he's a swingman type. Yeah, and I think Mac Andrew definitely looked good, and you could see why he was taken so early in the draft, and yeah, obviously something must have happened. Miss Riyad, maybe uh, Mabry got the best of him. <laughs> could very well be right. Um, we do need to go to a break. I wasn't too sure about Cody Waitman staging and the fact that he staged against Benny Long, a Territory boy and, and a guest of ours on Fridays in the top end, means that he's going to cop a bit more criticism than he would so Cody do not do that Benny Long keep playing your natural game mate um, Jack Lukosius our boy kicked five goals and I think we're in agreement here that Bailey Humphrey is going to be a star of the future oh, he, he looks so good at training yep. and an interesting <laughs> one too with Bailey was he was probably the last Suns player to go back mm. to the group after he was taking so many selfies and chatting yep. with everyone seems like a really good fella so yep. up the Suns we'll talk about their game this week and all of the other round 12 games after the break this is SEN Fridays in the top end thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Welcome back to SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Rain and Horn Darwin finding a place to write your next chapter. Thoroughbred Racing NT tops in the top end 
Andrew O'Toole, do we have you this morning? You certainly do. Uh, good morning. Good morning, mate. Thanks very much for joining us. What meetings are on this weekend? Yeah, two good meetings in the Territory uh, this weekend. Tomorrow in Darwin, it's the Adelaide River Cup meeting, but uh, for the second uh, year in a row, it's, unfortunately, we couldn't hold it at Adelaide River due to... Uh, Mm. Uh, some uh, track uh, issues down there, so we're back in Darwin this week. But I'm um, looking forward to Adelaide River Cup Day in uh, in town, as it were. And then on Sunday, uh, Pioneer Park and Alice Springs also hosts a meeting there. So big weekend for racing with the two meetings: one in the top end, one in the red centre. Very nice, mate. Do you have a best bet for us? Or any value out there? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good day uh, tomorrow. Only some uh, small, smallish fields uh, as we build towards the carnival upcoming here in Darwin. Uh, but I think Kerry Patrick, uh, one of our leading trainers, can have a really good day. She has um, three good chances uh, on the program. I think in the first, number four, old mate Smithy. Uh, it, it went a good race last week here, finishing second. I think he can go one better in the maiden. So race one, number four. If we look then to Kerry's um, runner, well, she's actually got two runners in race six. But I like number three, Venting. Uh, he's uh, heading towards uh, possibly a Darwin Cup start. So I think he'll be winning this race six, number three. And in the uh, Ladbrokes Adelaide River Cup, the last race on the uh, card, I think Kerry holds a very strong hand. She has two runners engaged, Boom Boom Sweet and Magnolia Rose. But I think Magnolia Rose, a um, last start win, is uh, really uh, up and comer for the stable. And uh, I like it to win the Adelaide River Cup uh, race seven, number five. Very nice, Andrew. Thanks very much for those tips. You enjoy your weekend. You too. Thanks very much. Andrew O'Toole, NT Thoroughbred Racing, the best show on sand in the top end tomorrow. Get around that one, Robbie. Hey, a big weekend of AFL as well. And it all kicks off tonight with Melbourne and Carlton. There's a bit of pressure on both of these teams. How's this game going to go? I'm tipping Melbourne. I think Melbourne are just a top... They just look more consistent than the other sides. Um, but Carlton have been in the uh, media. So mm. do they bounce back? What's your tip? I'm going to go for Carlton. I probably wouldn't. Mm. If you had went for Carlton, I definitely would have went for Melbourne. Um, but to add a bit of interest sake, I do think they're a much better chance than $3.17 odds or whatever it was when I had a check. So um, yeah. I'd see this as closer to a 50-50 game than Melbourne entering as like hot favouritism or something like that. So might as well might as well back the Blues. But mm. the Demons also have a fair bit to play for and would want to get a win here. Yep, Port Adelaide versus Hawthorne. You'd have to think the Power will win their ninth game in a row. Um, who do you have winning this one? And are Port the real deal? Yeah, I think Port are the real deal. Um, I think they're probably a third or fourth best side at the moment. Some people are saying they're the second best side behind Collingwood, which is you can't really argue too much with. So they are sitting second. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, maybe Hawthorne at the line could be a bet play here. Um, but yeah, I think Port Adelaide at home, just one of those you know ones playing at home. They're just very hard to beat, aren't they? So... Yeah. Port Adelaide skipper Tom Jonas left out of the senior team. You don't see that very often. Uh, West Coast versus Collingwood. I think this probably doesn't need a lot of discussion. Collingwood comfortably? Yeah, definitely. Um, Collingwood um, should, yeah, probably 10 a, goals. Yeah. They might rest some players. Who knows? Western Bulldogs versus Geelong. This is an interesting game. We saw the Bulldogs firsthand last weekend. Uh, the Cats are looking a little bit shaky. Chris Scott's throwing the magnets around everywhere. We've seen Sam DeConig even go up forward. Um, yeah. Who do you have in this one? I've got Cats and Dogs, a traditional rivalry. Yeah, I've got, I've got, I've got the Bulldogs for this one. But, um, yeah, uh, can Cats bounce back? 
Well, they done? I don't know. A couple of weeks ago, I had them as a genuine premiership chance. When they lost mm. to Richmond, I started thinking, well, hang on here, maybe I've gone a bit early. But they obviously had that shaky start to the season, but then they recovered very quickly and played some irresistible football. Um, Tom Stewart's now back and playing pretty good, but they can't seem to find their mojo. So, I don't know. Yeah. Do you think they're done? Are you writing them off? I'm writing them off at the moment. Um, yeah. Also factor in that, you know, um, moving around to Coney was a weird one. Mm. Um, I think Bulldogs are in good form. Um, I think they'll learn a bit from their Darwin trip. How much the Darwin trip takes out of their legs, I don't mm. know. Um, so I'm sticking with Bulldogs, though. Yeah, Trelaw back in for the Bulldogs. You know what? I'll oh, we'll go for Geelong, man. We're going a bit different today, aren't we? Brandon Parfitt omitted from the Cats team despite 14 disposals, 9 tackles and a goal. We do need to move on, but just a quick note on that. Do you think, I know we say it every time, but a change of scenery maybe on the yeah, cards? Yeah, I'll, I'll be getting out of there if I yeah. him. Um, yeah. Yep, nah, I, I, yeah, I agree with you. Greater Western Sydney versus Richmond. I think the Tigers may have lost a little bit of belief now in the context of the season and making the finals. I still think they're fundamentally a pretty decent football team, um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see the Giants win this. I think it's close to a 50-50. Um, Tigers have played better football than their win-loss record suggests, but some of the older players are definitely looking a bit cooked. I think it's a transitional period for the Tigers. Um, I see players like Sam Banks and Noah Cumberland named on the extended bench, so hopefully they can play. How's this game going to go? Oh, I'm tipping Richmond in this one, but um, GWS have been, I think, impressive. I think they have been pretty good in coming off that win last week. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I'm sort of favouring um, Richmond in this one, but strangely enough, both sides know a, bit, a lot about each other. Mm. So you got Kingsley, yeah. the assistant coach, come over, and then you got uh, Tarantula and um, Hopper, and Hopper mm. both involved at Richmond now. So... Sorry, I called him Tarantula. That's what the boys call him in the fantasy group chat. That enough is in there. So, um, Timmy Taranto. Tar Timmy Tarantula. Um, but, yeah, so I don't know. But I'm tipping Richmond. Um, yeah. I think Richmond were good last week. Um, and I think, so, are you, so you're not tipping your boys. No, oh, look, might as well keep the theme going different to you and stick with the Giants. Obviously, I want Richmond to win. Um, mm. But, yeah, I don't know. I can't tip them with much faith. I will be backing the Bombers, though, against North Melbourne. Essendon versus North Melbourne on Sunday. I imagine you are as well. What's the margin going to be? I, I, don't, I don't. I reckon the margin could be four or five goals. Um, Every Bombers supporter I've spoken to this week is very conservative about this week, thinking, hey, they're yeah. going to push us more than, more than you'd think. What is it? He's scared of the ruse. Uh, I, I just don't think... We haven't been as highly rated coming into this season. Um, a lot of people had us in the bottom four, bottom six, really. So mm. I think now that we're in that finals window, it's a game that traditionally Bombers would drop. But now with Brad Scott's leadership, I've got a lot of faith in it. Um, mm -hmm. But I think a four or five goal win against a, a somewhat resurgent Kangaroos that played better last week would be good. Because Collingwood, Collingwood only beat them by 35, 35 last week. So in Brad we trust. Side. Yeah, in Brad mm. we trust the Messiah. So... Yep, Taron Thomas returns for North Melbourne. Interesting. Do you think? Yeah, you'll... I think I think that the kid needs footy. Um, yep. gets him out of you know gets him back in that professional mindset. He's putting up big numbers in the VFL. Um, mm. The stats I seen. Don't know how he went last week, but nah, pretty good um, I think. Yeah, so massive stats. He's above the level. He's North are paying him a, a, a mm. lot yeah. of money, so yeah. I want to see some bang for my buck if I was them. Yeah, yeah you would have thought so. So we're both going the Bombers there. The big one, Gold Coast versus Adelaide. We have a minute and a half to wrap this one up. Just about mm. the match of the round for mine. Isaac Rankin will play his first game against his former club. Um, Mac Andrew dropped due to a club-imposed suspension. Crows obviously flying last weekend after a win uh, with over Brisbane, but their form has not been as good on the road. Good news, though, is Rory Laird available to play after yeah. having a one-match suspension for a dangerous tackle overturned. How's this game going to go? 
Well, if you're playing fantasy, I'll be going Laird captain, I reckon. He's in territory slippery conditions. I reckon he's going to get 20 tackles. That's my prediction. I've seen that mentioned somewhere, yeah. Oh, did it? I didn't see it. No, really? I have seen that mentioned. Oh, I nah. thought you were just stealing a hot take. Nah, well, someone must have, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, 30 touches, 20 tackles? Yeah, something like that. I'll be interested to see who goes to um, Rankin. Rankin. Who, who is it? Ben Long. Ben Long. Come Casey on, McPherson. tell me that's not a good matchup. Yeah, someone like that. So, it'll be interesting to see anyway, mate. All right, who's your tip? I'm going the uh, Suns. Going the Suns. Suns. Yeah, I'll back the Suns in too. I, yeah. I was going Adelaide for most of it and, and probably think they're going to... If I had a gun to my head, I might tip the Crows, but let's go the Suns. Yeah. Hope to see everyone at the footy. I'll definitely be there. Rob, you'll be there as well. Um, if you recognise us from the show, come and say hello. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I don't think there'll be many. So, have a good weekend. Uh, this has been SEN Fridays in the top end. Thanks to Brandon Horn Darwin.